Now let us continue in our study in 1 Samuel. We've come to chapter 16. 1 Samuel chapter 16. Now the world has a saying, don't judge a book by its cover. Now even the world has some wisdom in that. Of course, this wisdom is derived from God's word, what God says. Now, the title today is what God looks at, what God looks at. Here, the account is that God sends now Samuel to go and anoint that king that will take the place of Saul. Because of Saul's constant disobedience, half and partial obedience, his dishonesty, refusal to repent, false repentances. Now, God would remove him as the king of Israel. God sent Samuel off for this task. And he specifically said, Now go to Jesse's house in Bethlehem. For it is in his house, one of his child, one of his sons, will be the one that I will choose. So Samuel makes his journey there. And now look at verse 6. So the sons of Samuel were paraded before Samuel. In verse 6, And it came to pass when they were come, now he, which is Samuel, looked upon Eliab and said, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. Surely this must be the one. It, the very sight of him confirms that this is the one. So surely he was so, so certain in his heart. Just one look. Just one look. Now, but watch what the Lord says in verse 7. But, but... But the Lord said unto Samuel, Look not on his countenance or on the height of his stature, because I have refused him. I've refused him. Now, this word refuse is not simply, well, I, I don't, I, I'm not selecting him. Not just a, well, a very mild kind of refuse. Now, this refuse has to do with a look of contempt. Finding this person, well, reprehensible. Finding this person um, deplorable, despicable. So when God says, I have refused him, it's not a simple rejection, but it is a rejection with despising, spurning. Finding the person very unpleasant. Now, is it, it quite concerning for us? Because here is Samuel a man of God. And we have seen he has constantly proven to be a godly, righteous, wise person. But here is this particular man who says, surely this is the one. And then God immediately says, I have refused him. What contrast. Now, if Samuel could make such a mistake, how much more each one of us? How much more? Now, how can we correct this? How do we correct this? Because your choices in life are crucial. It is very easy to make the wrong choice, to choose the wrong person or thing. How can we avoid this? Well, the Word of God obviously gives us the answer, especially in verse 7. Verse 7. Look at verse 7. Now, first, let's see how man looks. Then we see how God looks. Then we will find our 
key lessons. Look at verse 7, sorry, verse 7. And the Lord said unto Samuel, look not on his countenance or on the height of his stature. Now, here reveals two things about how we typically would look and choose. Now, this word look here, look. Now, it's a different word from, look at verse 7, the last part where the Lord looketh on the heart. There are different Hebrew words. The first one when God uses to refer to man, man looking. Now, this look has to do with, well, in the first place, look at verse 7, it's looking on the externals. Look not on his countenance, number one, height of his stretcher. So things that are external, that is the first thing we must notice. That is very much how we function, right? As we walk, we look at something, we immediately would pass it in judgment and very quickly decide on something. Well, in the area of romance for the world, love at first sight, right? How do we come to all that? Usually, it is the externals. So the first thing that you must be careful of is making your choices, your judgment, your evaluation to qualify something well, mainly because of the externals. Now, uh, countenance, countenance means really literally his, his looks, his face, his, his, um, his body, his expressions, right? Things about him, his countenance. Stature, height of his stature, literally his height. So Eliab was obviously someone who is tall, big, good looking, all right? Maybe looks um, very commanding. Or perfect, just the look will tell you this must be the king, right? Now that is the external. Man decides based on the externals very quickly. Now the second thing to notice about this description of God of how we tend to choose, look. Now this look, this Hebrew word, specifically talks about now looking with favor upon something looking with delight on something, looking with pleasure on something, means there are something that you already in your mind like. Something in your mind you already have certain uh, preconceived um, criteria about what is nice, what is good. So this look has to be your looking, ah, I find that particular thing, the criteria that I like, and I will look upon it with pleasure, with favour. This is the one. So, in other words, in this look that Samuel had was one that he already had some preconceived standard of what are the criteria for him to criteria for him to choose a king. He already had that, and the moment he sees that, he looks upon it with favor. That is what it means. So that is how man looks, and if you're honest, it's true. All right. We choose beautiful things, nice things, all right? That's our typical reaction. Now, I'm not necessarily saying there's evil, which I'll speak more about afterwards. But that must not, the externals itself must not be our immediate reason for choosing something. And worst of all, this look reminds us a preconceived criteria. And usually it's the, well, the basis upon which men around us, the world says, this is good, this is nice. Now, you know something about art, right? Very often, now I'm, I'm not an art connoisseur, and very often people say, this, this piece of artwork, no, it costs well, millions of dollars. And I look at that, I always wonder, really? You know, you get a 
put a paintbrush in a dog, probably the dog could do the same thing. But it's millions of dollars in the beholder's eyes because the world says this is beautiful, right? Well, maybe there's something in there, right? They define what is beautiful. But that preconceived idea of man makes you look at things with favor. And that is why you will choose it. Now, that is the danger in us. But now let us look at how God looks. Look at chapter 16, verse 7, all right? The second part. Now, when here, when God uses the word, but the Lord looketh, the Lord looketh, it's a different word. Now, first and foremost, this word means God looks to distinguish. God looks to differentiate. And God looks at the internal, the heart, what is in the heart of men. Very different word to emphasize, different way of looking that results in the way we choose. This is how God looks. Now this look, it is, well, first on the internals, what is in the heart and mind of men. That is what matters. For us, usually it's just the external look, the status and all that. Now, that is what matters. But God looks beyond all that. Man looks at the cover of a book. God looks at the content, right? If you want to borrow the phrase of how the world thinks. God looks at the insides of a man. And this look that I said just now, the Hebrew word defines look to separate. He doesn't have a preconceived idea about, well, based on what the world says is good, then he says, okay, based on what the world says, then I choose. No. God has his standards. God has his qualifications. God, based on that, to distinguish. Man just jumps to it and says, this is the one. Man looks and chooses mainly based on the external. God looks and distinguishes mainly based on the heart of man. Man looks with favor upon things. They think that this is what makes something good and chooses it. God looks based on, well, his criteria that he puts on the heart. On the heart. Now, does it mean then all the externals are not important? Does it mean that? Well, if it's, that's the case, then make sure your children marry ugly people. Right? Make sure that when you appoint a church leader, church uh, pastor or elder, make sure that they are ugly. All right? Define ugly for yourself. Some people tall means ugly, some people short is ugly, some people fat is ugly, some people skinny is ugly. Whatever it is, you vote based on that. Now, does, is God saying, well, good looking is dangerous, it's bad. Now, I want you to turn to chapter 16. Look at David. All right? Now, we know that God chose David. All right? So, we know the story. Samuel doesn't know yet at this point. Now, what about David? Look at verse 12. And he sent and brought him, which is David, brought him in. Now he was ruddy and with all of a beautiful countenance and goodly to look at, to look to. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is hid. You see, David was good looking. In fact, the description was ruddy. So probably very, uh, the complexion was very nice, all right? Maybe today people say very tan, I don't know. But it's reddish. Some people say maybe he had red hair. But basically, he had a very healthy complexion. 
So it doesn't mean that you must choose someone with ugly, pimply complexion to marry. And with all, or in total, with all beautiful countenance, means he was handsome, very handsome. All right? And doesn't stop there and goodly to look at. You look at him, you maybe look twice, wow, such a good-looking chap. Is God saying, well, looks, good looks, means you should disqualify him? No, right? Be clear about that. Men have preconceived ideas. That's the point. The point is don't have preconceived ideas. Judge based on the heart. Now, we'll come to some application after. So I want to establish the principle that God makes clear to us first. Right? So young and elderly alike. Pay attention to the principle first. Then apply to our lives. Now, in fact, I would want you to turn to chapter 17. Look at chapter 17, all right? Now, as you turn there, look at chapter 17. Um, chapter 17, verse 42. Chapter 17, verse 42. Now, and, the, and when the Philistines looked about and saw David, he disdained him, for he was but a youth, a ruddy and, a fair, and of a fair countenance. Huh? It's like, hang on, you know? So how did, how did the Philistines look at the, 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 the um, warrior that was sent out to him? They look at him, we don't, this, this guy don't deserve to represent Israel. Why? And the criteria was, he was good-looking. Good looking. So you see, this guy very come up with a very good complexion and then, you know, um, so handsome. And say, fair countenance. Disqualified. We should, this person should not fight us. He is not like a warrior. You see, man makes choices, makes judgment, evaluation based on the externals. That is the point. God is not against good look. Or, or someone is not good looking. He created both. But man, you should look into the heart, first and foremost. Now then he said, all right, then what, what is this about the heart? What is this about the heart that God uses as a, as a basis? Then let me, God, from now onwards, remember that. Okay? So what is the heart? Now, first and foremost, turn to First Samuel chapter 13. God gave some clue earlier on why he would choose David. First Samuel chapter 13 We've covered this, First Samuel chapter 13, now verse 14. But now thy kingdom shall not continue. The Lord hath sought him a man after his own heart. God hath sought him a man after his own heart. That is why David is often referred to a man after God's own heart. What was this heart that God was looking for in a person for him to anoint as king, a man after God's own heart. You say, what is that? Well, go back and revise the lesson. We covered four, four messages on this alone. Alright, so it'd be frightening if none of us remember anything about it. If you do not remember, if you've not heard it, then go to September the 24th. Alright, from there onwards, four messages on what is a man after God's own heart. But, but summarily, alright, it is someone who Wants to know, God, what is in your heart? In other words, God, what do you want? What do you desire? And when a person is after that, means 
the person wants to whatever that you desire, I want to do it. To please you. I want to do it for you. It's like a husband who is after the wife's heart, the wife after the husband's heart. Right? You want to know what is in the other person's heart. You like this? I want to cook this for you, right? Wives, typically. Oh, then the husband, you like you like flowers? Which kind of flowers? What surprise you with it? So you want to know what is in the heart, and that's it. Wife, I know what is in your heart. You like roses. Good. Now I know that. No, you go and do it, buy it, bring it to the person. So a man after God's own heart is whatever God's commandments are. God's commandments are his desires. A Christian cannot say, I love God. I want to please God. When you don't even bother to read the Bible. I'm not interested in what you want. Like a, the person telling a spouse, you know, I love you. I want to, I'm after your heart. What do I like? Don't know, don't care. When the person is telling you what he or she likes, you're texting someone else. You say, you can keep saying, but your heart is not after my heart, right? So a person after God's own heart is whatever God commands, whatever God instructs, do this. You will jump to do it. You can't wait to do it. You can't wait to see the pleasure on God's heart when he knows that you obey him. Whatever God says, don't do that. Don't touch that. Don't be, don't be like that. Say, Lord, then I have nothing to do with it. Right? So, God looks at that. What else about this heart? Well, we can look at the, the heart that God has revealed about Jonathan. Now, Jonathan was chosen by God to defeat the mega army of the Philistines. Now, why would God choose him to do that? Well, he's, he had a heart. We studied about Jonathan. He had a heart full of faith in God. He trusted God. It's very insulting not to trust God. He had a heart that is full of faith to God. If God wants us to have victory, we will have. What, what a heart. Do you have a heart that is like that? A heart that is courageous. He did not care if he died. If he died, then we die. But let not these enemies of God defy his, 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 his country. If I die, I'll die. Are you like that? What else about the heart? His concern was the kingdom of God. We studied that. All he cared about was the kingdom of God. He did not care about his own glory. Do you have a heart? Well, then we also see the opposite kind of heart, right? In Saul, what kind of heart was Saul? Well, always concerned about his own life, his own objectives, his own purposes. Is that your heart? You can be very good looking. You can be even very active in church. But what is in your heart? Well, Saul had a heart that is, well, well he obeys God, but he obeys partially. And God made it very clear. Partial obedience is no. It's not obedience at all. It, God simply said, you have disobeyed me. Saul had a heart that was not honest, not truthful. His repentances were false. His confessions were false. Paul had a heart. Saul had a heart that was proud. He, all he cared about, honor me before the elders, my people, Israel. The heart brings forth, brings forth good fruit. That is why God looks at the heart. 
Now, Christian, when you think about all this, we have to ask ourselves, how, what criteria do we use when we make choices in life? Whether it's choosing someone for something, whether it's something in life, how do we jump to choosing things? Now we look later, there are consequences, but for now, we want to learn. Now, what are some key lessons then? Understanding this is, this is about, number one, don't just jump to your choices based on the externals. The externals may look either way. It means nothing. Number two, do not have preconceived, and especially when this preconceived basis of your choice is, is taken from how the world thinks and what they value. There's a difference between these two words, look. Now, first key lesson is quite obvious. First key lesson, now don't stereotype. Do not stereotype, especially using the, um, the, what the world says as good as your, your criteria. Now, what is stereotyping? I thought to take a definition. Stereotype, an, an often unfair and untrue belief many of us have about people around us, about things, with a particular characteristic. In other words, stereotyping is if this person or this thing has certain characteristic that I already say in my mind, this is good, this is beautiful, this is wonderful, this is to be chosen, then we will just simply say, well, if you have this characteristic, then this must be you. All right? That is what it is. Now, we saw Samuel fall into that. King Saul was tall. We know, right? The Bible says he was taller than almost everyone else in Israel. He stood head and shoulders way above everybody, right? Said, what? That is king? Then the next king should be like that. Stereotyping. That is how we, that's how we typically function. I remember when I was working, I had to hire someone to manage a department. The outgoing manager was, was very good, right? So he left and I had to help replace him. And then someone who came for interview, a whole bunch of people, and this particular one walks like him, talks like him, dresses like him, and more, right? So I said, like, wow, you know? So in my mind, I already have this stereotype. A person who's like that, speaks like that, behaves like that, well, will have this kind of results. You know why I bring this up already, right? It was a disaster. It was a disaster. I did not spend time looking beyond that. I would just jump to that. A foolish choice. Disaster. Stereotyping is, is how we tend to function. So Samuel fell into that. This king tall, then next king should be tall. Now the second one. Oh, actually, let's talk about David as well, right? Saul, uh, what's his name? Um, Goliath. Couldn't have made the bigger mistake, right? He probably would have chosen the big one, King Saul, to come and fight him. Now he said, well, this one is not a warrior. Right? Maybe he was thinking of Israel's king, the tall one. But this little man, now we always have an idea of a soldier's hour, very hardened, maybe scars everywhere, right? Very hardened very burnt skin. Um, so people stereotype. 
God uses all this to teach us that lesson. Now, but then the second thing that are lessons for us is this. Now, so far, I've been talking about um, making choices about other people or things. But I think it is important for us to realize why God wants to tell us how he looks upon men, how he chooses, what he looks upon with favor, because that is what we should aim for ourselves. I want to say that again. Don't listen to this message. Simply say, all right, this is how I will choose from now onwards. Well, that's a good start. But we have to ask, if, if the heart is what matters to God, then that is what I must aim for in my life. God was going to choose David. Why? He was a man after God's own heart. I want to be a man after God's own heart, to be useful to him, to please him. I'm safe. I say I love God, then I want to please him. So knowing how God looks is for us to then be in our heart, to have in our heart what God is looking for, right? Base your choices. Base your choices. Base your priorities upon God's criteria, not the world's. And we'll see some applications afterwards. Do not, the next one, do not focus on the externals. You know, it shocks me very constant, very frequently to read young people committing suicide simply because someone put on their social media that they were fat or skinny or they have a pimple or they're ugly. The world puts everything upon looks, the externals, and it can influence us very easily. Just because they read that, they could not take it anymore. They will stop going to school. It's too embarrassing to go to school. Someone said that about now. Others believe. And what is the belief? Fat, skinny, short, pimples, not fair complexion, whatever it is, whatever it is. That's how much value the world puts on the externals. I read once this mother, right? She was caught having murdered her newborn baby and buried the baby in the in the backyard. On the same day, she put on her, what do you call that? Uh, um, some sports garment, right? Um, some cheerleader garment, right? <clears throat> on social media. She couldn't wait to get back to shape. She didn't want to spend her, her following months and years looking after a child. All she cared about was get rid of this bump as soon as possible, get rid of the reason for the bump, and then now I can go back to looking shapely and post it out again. The world cares only about the externals, and they will do everything, commit suicide themselves or murder, literally. Now, we have to understand, the reason I share this is because we live in this world, especially you young people, now, elderlies as well. There is just something else for the elderlies, riches, all right? How much you possess, how many properties you have, whatever it is, the externals, that is what matters. Now, because the world is like that, it is very easy for us to also stereotype. 
Not only that, it's very easy for us to now say that that is also what I want to pursue for myself. So Christian, don't take this lightly. Aim to be what God looks for in your heart. Now, I'm not saying for a moment you do not then bother about your externals. Right? We said that already. It is not about whether it's good-looking or not good-looking. The point is, don't be obsessed. That is what it means. So don't have the idea. Someone married someone who is ugly. Ah, that person chose rightly. Someone married someone who is good-looking. Ah, that person must be wrong. Don't, Don't stereotype that. God makes it clear. God wants to make sure He gives us the information that David was very good-looking. And the point I want to make again and again, don't let the externals be your key priority. That is the point. Don't judge others based on that and yourself as well. Don't feel that your worth is based on how you look. And that is how the world is today. Have you been influenced by that as well? What do you aim for in your life? What is the priority in your life? Now, maybe now we come, right, to the dangers. What are some dangers? Now, when we, the first danger is when we go by stereotyping according to the world, we will make wrong decisions. Give you an example. Now, if you see someone who is a high achiever, successful in a career, have good results in school, in certain professions, well, then this must be a good Christian. Now, we are not saying that Christians must be, um, must be uh, poor, uh, dressed badly, um, um, not in um, good professions, not for a moment. If that is God's will for you, then you'll be there. But if we think that just because a person is like that, then must, he must be a good Christian. God must be blessing this person. Well, the person can achieve all this and pursue all this because of a drive to exalt self, right? Like, like Saul. The person can, drive all, can, can pursue all this for admiration of man. The person can do, uh, achieve all this because of the lust of the things of the world at the sake of his spiritual walk. So just because someone has these things doesn't mean that the person is a good Christian, that God is blessing the person. So that is one danger. Just because it's look, that must be good. No, the person's heart may be ignoring God, disobeying God to get all these things. Now it can be the other extreme. Because some people have the other extreme. Well, may, well someone who is lowly in society, not much education, um, um, not much achievement in life. Well, this person must be very humble, very sincere, doesn't pursue the things of the world, right? You may think like that. Well, child, you should marry people like that. The person may be lazy. The person may be irresponsible, careless, right? So jumping to conclusions, stereotyping based on how the world chooses, just by externals especially, is dangerous. You do not know what is in the heart. It could be laziness, irresponsibility. It could be lust of the world. Now, second thing that is a danger is this. Choices have consequences. 
Choices have consequences. The people wanted a king like the world. Remember, they said we wanted a king like the nations of the world. They were very specific. What kind of king? Like the, what the nations have. They have that external idea and the preconceived idea, like other nations. What did they end up with? Because they said, all right, you keep wanting such a king, I'll give you such a king to teach you the lesson. Yes, tall. Yes, like the kings of the world will, will lead you in battle and all that. When you don't want me to be the one leading you, you want to be like them, I'll give you the king like the world, your preconceived ideas. It was, as we have been reading, an utter dis, um, trouble for Israel for years and years. Making choices based on external, based on our preconceived ideas, have choices. They have the consequences, and some consequences are irreversible. Well, for this case, well, Saul will die, and then God will, God will instead uh, put in place another king. Well, this will not be the case for marriage. You get married, you can say, well, I think I made the wrong choice. Let's divorce. You can't do that. These consequences also till death do us part. But for the rest of your life, you will go through those consequences. Now, we'll talk about that a bit when we come to, well, marriage, come to um, young people making choices. But for now, know that sometimes our choices, in fact, very often our choices can have irreversible consequences. Choose very carefully. Now, when this danger of us just jumping to conclusion based on externals and based on our preconceived ideas based on the world, now makes us, or I would say weakens us. If you keep going in this mode of working and you don't control yourself, you know what some people say? Um, weak in the presence of beauty. Right? Someone who is good looking, the moment you're in their presence, you're weak. Weak in your thinking, weak in your um, resolution. That's how it is. If that is how you function, the danger is, like some people say, you become blind, right? There are all these things that are a problem. And you're so weak, you, you won't even make the right decisions. That is how it is. Now then the last area of danger is this you will eventually become what you favor in your heart. I favor looks. I favor what the world defines as good and success and successful. And over time, you keep looking at people, you keep judging and evaluating people based on that. You will eventually say, then I want to be that. Because I think if, when I become like that, then others will also evaluate me based on that and they will, well, they will like me. They will choose me, right? Instead of conforming more and more to the image of Christ. Instead of your heart seeking more and more to be after God's own heart, you'll be pursuing your own heart. That was Saul. That was Saul. We studied Saul was a man after his own heart, not after God's own heart you will eventually change to become like that. Church is no longer important. Why? 
Why go to church? I don't really bother about what God commands, what God wants me to do. I have all my ideas about what I want to be in this world, what I should be by when. Why go to church? I go to church because it's Christmas, right? It's a nice sentimental thing to do, and that's it. But you will go to the places of the world that will give you what you want, help you to be more what you want to be, like the world. You will spend more time there. You will do more of their things. Become less and less useful to God. Why do you think God says, Saul, I've rejected you? So these are some of the consequences the Christian should take note of. It's not a small thing. All the world chooses like that. Doesn't mean it is safe for you. Now then, let's look at some applications, right? So now we begin to understand the principle that God is talking about. It's not whether it's good-looking or, or, or not good-looking that makes it good. Not either way. It's externals, right? The stature. The second one is preconceived, stereotype ideas that you receive from the world and you use that to, immediately when you look, you already made up your mind. This is good. That is the look that God talked about for Samuel. Now, Applications in life. Singles, teens, uh, for everyone, but maybe more, the teens, all right? You're in a world that is constantly, all right, pounding on you to make choices based on what they say are good. Now, the first thing I want to address to apply is to ask you this question. Now, young people, how do you choose someone as your close friend? How do you choose who to spend time with and to do things with? You look and say, I want to be in the group that are the good-looking girls, right? Whatever good-looking is, you define, right? You know what people say, right? One man's meat is another man's poison, right? This may be good-looking, but someone says, what? Right? Some good-looking is fat, some good-looking is skinny, whatever it is. But you choose based on the externals, not what kind of heart they have before God. Now, this can be including Christian friends in church. Christian friends in church don't think that everyone comes, who comes to church, then they are godly. Don't make that conclusion that just because someone is regular in church, comes to church, then they are fine. The heart is something that you look for. Now, do you choose people who have godly desires? Or do you choose people simply based on, well, common hobbies? Common ECA? Common likes and dislikes? Is that how you choose? The externals. Spirituality, not on priority. Now, the worst is this. We choose our Christian friends based on those who are like us in terms of our backsliding. Because we choose Christian friends who won't talk about spiritual things. We'll talk about work, school, and everything, but not talk about spiritual things. Because once they do, your heart is pricked. Your conscience is pricked. And over time, you have no more desire for this thing. So you just look for people based on, well, all these externals and whoever that can, whoever's internals will not make you feel guilty before God. That is how we choose. Are you bored? How do you know? Are you bored? And are you very dead among godly Christians? 
but you are very lively, very happy with unspiritual Christians. Which one? You will know. Which one, which group of people excites you, young person? Which ones? Don't get upset at your parents when they keep trying to monitor your friends, who you hang out with. They want you to have an environment to actually choose people based on their heart before God. It's good for you. Now, what about yourself? What about yourself, young person? Like I mentioned just now, the world is constantly emphasizing all that matters are looks, right? Now, 1 John 2, 7 says, And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. The world passeth away. The fashion of the world, it passeth away. You, are you obsessed with fashion? What is the most important thing before you left the house this morning? How many times do you look at the mirror? Guys or girls? <laughs> Young or old? How many times? Front, back, side, right? Dear, how I look in this, right? Then dear said, got to leave already. Wait, 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 let me try one more. Now, are you just always thinking about, how will I look, how will I look? I want to say this again. Please don't come to church dressed shabbily. It is dishonoring to God, all right? I'm not saying that. Then throw on whatever, your, your T-shirt, your shorts, and then, your, and then just come. I'm not saying that for a moment. We should reverence God. But it is not just the external. What matters to you before you go to school? You go to work. Are you more concerned about your heart before God, before you leave the house? Before you leave the house to come and worship God, before you leave the house to study the Word of God, before you leave the house to pray, before you leave the house to go to work? Most of us don't even pray. Maybe a quick one. God, please protect me to be safe on the road. That's all we care about. Do you look into your heart about your sin, your failures, your weakness before God? And ask God, God, I need to be in my heart, a person after your own heart before I step out of this door. Yes, after you, you can comb your hair, you can make sure you look presentable, tidy and proper. But that is not what matters most in your heart. What is your main concern when you choose what you wear, how you look, how you behave? how you speak. Is it just all externals? And I want to say again, your externals do define your internal, in a sense. God does say, well, by their fruits you will know, right? A good tree brings forth good fruits. So don't take for a moment, oh, externals are not, doesn't matter, so I speak however I wish, dress however I wish. But it is what comes out. What is that driving force within you that matters? You can come to church looking so holy and godly and modest and everything, but inside is full of corruption. That can be also the case. Well, let's, look to, let's, let's talk about well, finding a marriage partner. Some of you say, but I'm married already. Listen, because your children need to understand that. If God gives you children one day, you need to be ready for that. Now, some of you will say, you know you're single, well, and you feel it's God's will for you to be married, then, now how do you choose? The world very quickly, you know, chooses based on looks. You know, when we covered this um, series on um, the K-wave, Korean wave, remember I showed you some of the things? People who live on the opposite end of the world, even 
the, the Muslims who wear their, their tudong and all that, they still want to look like, do the things, be like these, these Korean pop stars. Now, young people, is that you as well? How you fashion your hair? Wait, look at, let me look at all the famous K-pop stars. Nah, this is the one I want. Then you bring it to the barber. Please cut my hair like that. Or for girls, the same. Please dye my hair to this color. Right? Whatever they wear, you want to wear. And then when you choose a life partner, you look, look around you. Oh, this this looks like K-pop star number one. This is the one I choose. We immediately jump to that, right? Now, I'll say again, don't think that someone who marries someone who doesn't look good, then the person is making the right choice, all right? Just remember that. The externals. Now, ladies, I want to say this to you. And I, we've said this many times in our boy-girl relationship series. Now, if you are concerned about your own looks and you want to attract people by your looks, and you find that looking good is very important, so people will choose me. Your looks won't last forever. You are choosing, you are attracting the wrong person. You are attracting someone who will choose you based on your externals. How long are you going to look like that? Your externals will fade. If you attract this kind of fly, right? To you. By the time you are no longer good-looking, why do you think men just leave their wives after many years, decades? Because they have always been people that go for the externals, the looks. So you want to be someone who attracts people by looks, then you attract those who are like that. But if your heart is what you focus on, you will attract people, men, who are after heart. And your heart, even your externals, deteriorate. Your, your heart is always within your own control. You can always make your heart more and more and more and more beautiful when it seeks God, when it is after God's own heart. When you attract people, I'm not asking you to go out and attract people, right? But when your heart is what your character within you is what you value, you will attract that kind of people. And as you grow older, as long as you grow more and more in love with God, this person will... Who, because he chose you for your heart in the first place, this person will love you even more and more and admire you, you more and more. So don't be foolish like the world. There are consequences. Men, if you're someone who have this weakness with looks, change. I mentioned the phrase, weak, weakness, weak in the presence of beauty, right? The world always says that. Now, what it means is this. You will eventually, because that is something that you just let your heart constantly go after looks, preconceived ideas, even when you finally have to make a choice between two, you know that one is godly. You know the other is the looks that you always wanted. Whatever is that look, all right? Men, you fill in your own blanks. Long, straight hair or short, curly hair, tall or short, skinny or not skinny, whatever it is. You have the preconceived idea. This one meets the looks. But when I compare in terms of the heart, I know the other one is the one that I should pursue. But because you're someone who does not want to control your heart, then you will be weak. You will know the problem, but you will still choose what your heart 
Now, remember this word look. You look with favor upon what you have in terms of a preconceived idea. You see, when God gives this verse 7, there are much in there for us to begin to question our own heart. Now, all right, I have to clarify. I'm not saying that you, you will find a sinlessly perfect woman or man on earth, all right? So I don't want a situation where you don't do anything. You have human responsibility to, to, to pursue, right? So you say, all right, I'll wait for the perfect one. I just want to clarify that. Now, but when you look at someone and you find that the person comes to church, regular in church, but there's still the externals. Don't think that just because the externals are there is fine. But if the person constantly struggles with obedience, the person may be in church, maybe even serving, but it's not one who, Lord, whatever you say, even though I struggle, I will obey. But if the person full of, is full of struggles against worldliness, against obedience, yes, the person can keep coming. You, you need to evaluate carefully. There's a heart problem. All right? Now, I have to move quickly. Parenting. What about parenting? I think when I was talking about the teens, all the parents are probably wanting to look at their child and go home and talk to your child. Well, what about you? What do you instill in your children? Do you instill the principle of externals, first and foremost? You may teach. Now, you can teach and speak at the top of your voice at home about don't love the world. But by what you do, and what you make them do, and what you make them like. That is the strongest message. Action speaks louder than words. Do you, are you more concerned about teaching them how to paint their nails? I'm not saying painting nail means you're a sinner and you're going to hell, all right? Please don't think that. But is that what you want them to think about? You know, sometimes I see young ones in the, in the shopping mall, they are so young. They have no money to go and paint their nails, all right? They won't even be thinking about painting their nails. But when I walk past shops, they are there. Very young kids sitting there, paid by the parents, and the parents keep looking and, and smiling. What are you instilling in them? Do you make them feel that their complexion is so important? I'm not saying put them out in the sun without sun tan lotion. But if that's what you keep talking about, you think their hair, how they make, do their hair, whether it's guy or girl, is very important. And then, oh, those are the things you seem to be talking about, doing with them. I'm not saying don't comb their hair and don't care about the compassion, but you know what I mean. What are you putting in their hearts and mind? You are sending a signal to them. This is what matters, girl, boy. Maybe some of you say, Pastor, don't worry. We are not such a family. All right? Look at the way we dress. Look at, look at my children's fingers. Look at me. Now, we've covered, is it, there's nothing wrong with these things, but why do you do them? What is in your heart? To what extent do you do them? Where's the line? You say, Pastor, we are not like, these externals are not important, but remember, the whole point about Samuel looking at Saul and say, this guy is tall, this guy is good looking, simply means this. 
It's the external, it is some quality. To you, it may not be looks. To Samuel, it was looks, the quality of looks. To you, it may be the quality of social status. It's still an external thing. To him, it was height. To you, is how high this person is in society. It's still the same principle. So parents, well, this person is, is, is in a certain profession, well suitable for my child. And you keep talking about this. Now parents, if you keep saying, wow, that guy is, wow, look at that girl, so pretty. Wow, look at that boy, so handsome. Look at the boy, so tall. Look at that family, so rich. Look at this, so successful. Look at, so clever, so capable. Now if that is your speech, it betrays your heart. And children are children. What you seem to be excited about, they will just take it as gospel truth that that is what is important in life. Be very careful, parents. When you begin to instill these things in them, the choices of ECA, how much time they spend in what? It's your way of telling them this is important. I'm not saying there should be no ECA. But you are telling your child this is important. Are you telling your child in a way that this is all that is important, this is very important? Or you're telling your child, you can do it, you do it, you don't do it. If it affects your spiritual work, just drop it. What do you tell your child? I'm not asking to ask your child to be lazy. But what do you pressure your child to be? All these are subtle messages in parenting. Whatever you tell your child, they will bring it to the next level. We keep saying that. You, we, we studied so many examples. Whatever the parents sin, they carried the sin to a further degree. That is why God says, I will have to visit your sin upon your children. You cannot, I can't avoid it. I told you not to be lusting after this, having these idols, because your children will pick them up and I will also have to deal with them. Don't. So parenting is something that we have to be very, very cautious of. Is externals, what, what is secretly what is important in your heart, it will transfer to your child. Now, lastly, then about church. What about church? How do you choose church? Also by looks, looks of the building, looks of the people in the church. Some people want to belong to church where they're all dressed a certain way, drive certain cars, live in certain districts. The externals are important. I want to be part of this kind of church. Well, the internals, the truth that you don't like very often is not a priority. How do you choose elect church leaders? Also by their external? Or is it by their heart? Now when the church make wrong choices. Oh, this person is a doctor. So the person must be very qualified. Why? Because externally, very capable, very clever. That's why they can be a doctor. This person is an engineer. Or whatever profession you put to it, all right? I'm not saying that the profession you're in that I did not name is, is not highly regarded, right? So please don't, don't say that. Whatever is the profession, if church appoints people based on, they are successful in the world, stereotype and therefore they will be able to lead, manage church, then you're sorely, you are, we are going to be in for a very, very great shock. There are criteria that God gives in 1 Timothy chapter 3, Titus chapter 1, you know that very well. Now finally, 
let's look at the challenges. The challenges. It is not easy, right? It is not easy. Now, how are we going? We have to be aware of certain things. Let's look at chapter 16 now. Right, chapter 16. Now, you read the story. Eliab, the first one, the eldest, walked past. And Samuel, well, God says no. Then verse 8. Then Jesse, the father called Abinadab, and then passed before them. No, God, God did not speak to him. No. And then verse 9, Jesse made Shammah. No. <laughs> and got tired of writing that. Verse 10, and Jesse made seven. <laughs> Just jump to the end, seven. Now you know the pressure of that. One of the challenges of keeping our head cool, making sure we control our heart as parents, as singles, as adults, as teens, to keep your head sound and remember the lesson is, now don't fall into pressure. Because Samuel could face this. Samuel, come on. Samuel, really? Seven already, Samuel. Are you very troublesome, very picky? Samuel, really? Seven? Now the pressure is, um, all right, all right, let me, okay, let me just choose one. That's the danger. Now Jesse did not, eh, sorry, Samuel did not succumb to that pressure. Instead, he asked, now one after another, then verse 11, and Samuel said unto Jesse, Ah, here all thy children. You see, when you are calm and cool, Lord, I will never use externals. I will only use what you declare. If I don't see that, I won't succumb to pressure. Whether it's time pressure, well, time pressure, right? You are growing old, mom says. Why aren't you married? Relatives give you pressure. Parents give you time pressure. I'll just choose one, right? Even if you know that, well, this person don't fit God's criteria. Just choose one. Pressure of society. Now, all these are challenges that you will face. There is a pressure, there's a challenge as being the only pastor. I'm growing older, right? I also want a full-time worker to come. But am I then just going to succumb myself to that pressure, to that difficulty? And you say, then just choose whoever. Right? I constantly ask. I constantly keep my ears to the ground. But there's no clear man ready. Not that I'm picky. But we must not succumb to all this. That is my point. You, young person, will be succumbing, will easily succumb to the pressure. You go to school, everyone dresses like that, everyone speaks like that, everyone behaves like that. There will be the pressure. I want to be like them. And I want to choose my friends based on that. Will you be like Samuel? All these, hang on, all these groups, all these friends, not godly. I will wait for the right group, for the right friend. Now, how do we know the heart? I know some of you are asking, how do we know heart? You, you, have you heard of this, this device that you can use and then you put against man's heart and then you can know? There's no such thing. Some of you looked up and think that is. No such things. How do we know the heart? God spoke to Samuel. God says, I won't speak to you in this audible voice anymore. God says, it is the sure word of God. All that is in here are God's principles, precepts, instructions, qualifications, criteria, they're all in here. You don't study the Word of God, you will make a lot of mistakes. 
You think that going to church to study the Word of God is a waste of time. You're constantly being changed by the way of the world in your thinking. It's dangerous. So the Word of God is your guide. Go to it. We just finished that in our series on how to find God's will. Go revise it. Now, but then there is also this way to know the heart. You pray. You pray that God reveal the heart. After you've evaluated, you still pray. Now, remember King Saul, the beginning, he was very humble, right? When they looked, where is Saul? They found him hiding behind a pile of things, correct? A pile of stuff. He was, well, seemingly humble. He was too humble to come out. I'm not fit to be king. Only God knows the heart. You have to pray. Even when we choose people to serve in church, we always pray, God, only you know the heart. The outside or the human responsibility we've done, but God, only you know the heart. Very often God answers, reveals. But the thing is this, when God reveals, will you submit? That's the question. Now, in closing, look at 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 14. Then said he unto, eh, sorry, 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 11. And Samuel said unto Jesse, eh, are here all thy children? Now, Samuel learned his lesson. Samuel learned his lesson very quickly. Look at verse, verse 7. In verse 7, God says, Samuel, don't choose based on externals alone and don't choose based on your preconceived ideas. Immediately, Samuel learned. He did not choose that way anymore. He will just give it. Even if you don't see anymore, he will not change. He has learned. He applied it straight away. So, young person, I ask you this today. Elderly is alike. Adult, single, married. I ask you this question today. Will we learn? Will you change when you go home today? Will you change and say, Lord, no more this obsession with externals. I want to be a person after your, after your heart. And I will choose always based on spiritual and godly criteria in your word. Or will you still say, ah, such a long message and a waste of time. One verse and you preach for so long. Are you going to go home and say, I'm going out to be with this group of friends. I'm going to choose this. I'm not going to do this. I'm going to continue in this. Or are you going to be like Samuel? The moment God told him, this is how you look, this is how you don't look, and this is what you should be. Instantly, in that very same hour or so, he changed totally. Will you go away not caring about what God looks at? Or will you say, God, give me a heart like my Savior. Let us rise to sing the closing hymn, 388. 388. Shall we turn to 388? Let us rise.